Welcome to the Humor in Games podcast, an analog and video games podcast about how humor is experienced, designed, and analyzed in games. We are Scott DeYoung, Mark Lajeunesse, and Andre Zanescu, and we'll be your guides in this six-episode series. Throughout each episode, we'll break down different theories and forms of humor. We'll draw on interviews with designers, critics, and academics as they discuss the different aspects of humor, their own lived experiences, and how their work utilizes humor in games. In this episode of the podcast, we speak with Dr. Yako Stenros about laughter in Nordic LARPs and the role of humor in dark and transgressive play. Um, so to begin, why don't you kind of just give us the, the who you are, where you're from, kind of the, the key talking points that you've probably done a bunch of times. So um, kind of introduce yourself for, for the audience here. So I'm Yako Stenros. I'm currently working at the Tampere University in Finland. Um, my background is in sociology, and after that, uh, I, I went into game studies, and and I did actually my dissertation in game studies. So, so game pure game, game scholar in, in in that sense. I've been studying uh, especially role playing games, live action role playing games, but also things like playfulness, uh, pervasive games, norm defying play. Um, uh, we dabbled in queer game studies as well. And, um, and a little bit here and there, drinking games and, and all kinds of fun things, uh, game jams. Uh, but I think sort of my, my, sort of, uh, my core interests lie in, in role-playing games. I mean, that's fantastic. And that's part of the reason we really wanted to chat with you is we haven't had a lot of time to talk to people who do role-playing games. But um, maybe perhaps it'd be great if you could start talking about your specific scene of uh, role-playing games that you're kind of most focused in, which is Nordic LARP, um, for people who might not be familiar with it. Uh, yes, so one of the key areas that I'm concentrating on is, is, is Nordic LARP, um, the kind of live-action role-playing done in Sweden, uh, Finland, Denmark, and Norway, or at least that's where that tradition started. Uh, since then, uh, this kind of a tradition has, has, has uh, broadened and, and now it's fairly international, so there are participants in this tradition from around Europe and ar from around the world. But, uh, but in some ways, at, at least sort of if we view this, this tradition as, as like, a, 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 like a tradition of art, its roots lie in the Nordic countries, even though it has since been uh, sort of cross-pollinated with a number of other places. In the Nordic LARP tradition, um, uh, people assume uh, characters, they play characters in a fictional setting, and these fictional settings can be sort of fantasy or cyberpunk, but uh, and as, as sort of historically tabletop role-playing games from which LARPs uh, sort of developed from, those were big genres. But, uh, but um, since, the, since the 90s, uh, in the Nordic LARP tradition, people have also been uh sort of interested in many other genres as well and many other types of works as well uh, looking at at, uh, at sort of political works uh, looking at contemporary settings uh, looking at historical periods um in a way uh, using it as sort of so sociological fictions uh, looking at, at groups of humans in, in in different kinds of settings and, and and sort of finding joy and meaning in those kinds of explorations so would you say that the, the scene itself has turned into a more serious game sense or there's more intent or social impact around the play or is it still very much fictional and just kind of for play for play's sake there um, when you're, you're talking about this kind of transition? I mean, it is both serious and playful. Uh, I mean, play is play can be very, very serious. So it's not serious games in the in the sense that that it would tie into to sort of the serious game movements where, where, where we're trying to learn through games or 
or um, or teach things to games. But uh, but I mean, people do take uh, those uh, role playing games very seriously. So, but but it is it is it is for recreation and for artistic purposes. It is something that people find deeply meaningful. It may not always be fun, but it is in some way uh, people are impacted uh, by these by these. Um, uh, events and and, 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 and and sometimes it's difficult to uh, put into words why it is that you do it because it doesn't fall into the usual uh, fun type activities that, that people associate with games. I think that's a that's a really interesting point because I know that a lot of people when they maybe think of LARP they think of a, a bunch of like young people with swords uh, just fighting each other in a park, um, but it kind of sounds like that's a bit of a different scene. So is there a specific um like theme that is more common within Nordic LARP? Is it still back to that medieval fantasy, or is there kind of other themes that that seem to be coming out or more prominent? I mean, fantasy and vampires and cyberpunk these things are, are absolutely part of part of Nordic LARP and LARP in general. Uh, uh, but but there are other things that we're interested in as well. Uh, one example that I that I often use is is Ground Zero from 1999, uh, which is which is a 24 hour LARP about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, it's sort of an alternative history, set in a small town in Tulsa, and and uh, and there are like 20 uh, people playing characters, and they're they're just playing regular people who live on one street, and then the sirens go off. Uh, because sort of the crisis is, is going on, uh, the, the Soviet nukes are coming towards Cuba, and they go into a bomb shelter. And, and of course, sort of, this is as the, the, thus far, it's following history. But what happens is that is that in this version, uh, historical version, uh, the war actually starts uh, in the 60s. So, so uh, first the radio goes silent, and, and then uh, halfway through the LARP, there is one special effect, and that is, is that, that sort of in this basement where all the or the or the or the characters are located, there's a lot of cardboard boxes filled with 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 canned food, as you would have in a bomb shelter, but in reality they are actually uh, uh, sort of um, uh, there's a, there's a lot of speakers hidden behind those cardboard boxes, and they do the one special effect, which is which is the nuclear bomb bomb uh, dropping uh, uh, ten kilometers away, and then lights go off and you spend the rest of the LARP in darkness sort of so that, that coming, like coming a... to terms with the fact that everything you know has has been destroyed that that's a pretty serious theme uh, especially compared to kind of the 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 tropes that we see so much but it also sounds like quite an amazing kind of game to experience um but kind of pivoting but in the same nature when we're talking about the sincerity in LARP and we're looking at ourselves that kind of we're humor lies for you as someone who's looked at the scene, is there still humor in these very serious LARP spaces? There's all kinds of humor in LARPs. I mean, obviously there are LARPs that are about humor. They're not super uh, common, uh, but but sort of, but they, they are something that does exist where um, where where the the whole point of the LARP is to is to is to have fun and and to to maybe produce something inspired by, for example, sitcoms. One thing that I remember is is Keskika Kronika, the middle-aged chronicle, where 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 there were three games. One was set at the funeral, one was set at the 40th anniversary birthday party, and one was a wedding, and and everybody was playing sort of people from the same family, and and people were just trying to act in the most outrageous fashion in in this family setting, trying to get the other players to laugh, not the characters, but the players to sort of flood out and 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 burst out laughing, 
what the what in sort of the British theater tradition would be called corpsing, where sort of you break character and start laughing. And then while people are laughing, sort of the play would stop. And then once people have composed themselves, they would continue doing this sitcom uh, type type of thing. But this is this is fairly uncommon. But of course, many LARP traditions have have maybe uh, like party LARPs, a LARP that you would have like at a Christmas party or, or or some other setting that is not taken as seriously, where 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 there is the whole point is to is to is to be humorous. But like I said, that's not super common. But then there are LARPs that are sort of super uh, dark satire, and these are fairly common in in the Nordic countries uh, or, or in the Nordic Nordic LARP tradition. Uh, one classic example of this is Panopticor, uh, which is which is set in a um, media agency or an advertising agency where where the players are uh, playing people in a sort of super cynical people working in an advertising agency like five minutes into the future, um, and then then more and more outrageous uh, advertising campaigns come in and then the players create them and 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 and, at, at, and and they are at the same time trying to create ridiculous but still sort of within within the fiction believable campaigns and also while also sort of uh, battling with the with the office office politics sort of trying to to, to sort of to get the promotion and push your your uh, uh, competitors down and, and and doing these kinds of things so very much sort of sort of a, a commentary on contemporary work like office life sort of the capitalistic world that we live in those kinds of things another example of that might be a, a larp from last last fall uh, that was playing in denmark called the future is straight which was about uh, conversion camps for for gays lesbians and trans people uh, which was in which was uh, run by by queer designers and, and and a significant number of the players were also queer and it was sort of sort of playing on all of those dark and hurtful things that have been thrown into queer people's faces over the years and sort of getting to play with those in this very very dark satire world so in a, in a place like that where where there's this kind of dark satire you're, you're i guess we're saying that humor in these places is healing um is kind of the intent around it or is it more explorative um in how they're kind of engaging with with the narrative of the game itself well sort of for the humor games the the just having fun that is the point but with this with these sort of dark satire games uh, it is a combination of of uh, trying to understand the world that we're living in and and instead of and and then then sort of laughing in the face of of adver adversity when the alternatives are getting really depressed <laughs> And and sort of carnivalizing it, then I think sort of turning to humor is the is the is the better alternative. Often in these these LARPs, the the humor does come from a from a very dark place. I think that's really interesting and something that we we touched on a little bit in our first season. But it's nice to kind of see how people are kind of performing and playing with that. And one of the things that I, in my uh, brief look into the LARP scene, have noticed is that people seem to discuss the difference between laughing in character and laughing out of character. And kind of you mentioned before that that ridiculousness, this ridiculousness, but in the break um, of characters. And so I'm kind of curious in the scene itself. Um, are, is there kind of a feeling around people bringing jokes in from outside of the game as a way to deal with the game's content? Or are you kind of supposed to stay in character and embrace that scene as you're performing in it with your humor the whole time? In the Nordic scene, I think most of the time the, the, the norm is to, 
uh, or the goal or the ideal is to try to stay within the fiction of, of the LARP. So not sort of not break out laughing as uh, the player or not trying to distance the events through sort of external or, or extra diegetic humor. But of course, sort of, sort of you're, you're always present in, in, in two ways. You're there as a player and as a character. And some things are funny for the player and not for the character. And some things are funny for the character and not for the player. So there is a, there is a, there is a performative aspect, or there can be a performative aspect to the humor where you're playing at humor when you as a player don't actually find it funny. And then of course there are those situations where, where sort of something that happens is really funny to the player, but not at all funny to the character. And sometimes those are moments that you maybe you talk about after the laugh that sort of in that moment, I, I was almost laughing because it was just so glorious how all of those things came together. Whereas in that moment, you usually do try to stay within the character and not break into, not break into laughter. So does that mean that you would say that humor in LARP is typically created through the players themselves or designers in LARPs typically taking the time to try to find where they can bring in moments for humor or at least moments for players to kind of create that humor um, themselves? I think it varies from LARP to LARP. In the Nordic tradition, uh, uh, these are the, the LARPs are very bespoke in the sense that you create the, the rules and the mechanics for a specific LARP. So there isn't a shared, for example, rule set from, from one LARP to another. Uh, so um, you would have to look at each LARP as, a, as an individual work as to how is humor incorporated into it. Humor as a mechanic is, is actually quite seldom used uh, in LARPs. Uh, so it's, I think it's more often brought in by the players than the designers, unless, I mean, we're, unless we're feel, dealing with something that is, is clearly marked as a satire. I think that's really interesting. And I think perhaps it, it likens to why LARPs are so performative is why it allows players to do that. Um, and one of the, the things that we've discussed um, together, but also that I found really interesting is kind of this, this difference between kind of play and performance, right? And you're mentioning how, you know, you're going to want to break character to laugh so much, but at the same time, uh, you want to hold it all in. And so from a play standpoint, kind of, is there lines drawn in the sand for players to know like what's okay to make jokes about and what's not okay to make jokes about? Or kind of are there boundaries being set up around what, what we can and cannot laugh at in these spaces? There, there are boundaries, uh, obviously, but uh, I think it's, it works a little bit differently than in, than, in, um, than in many other types of games because LARPs are so very intimate. The, they, they're not performed for an external audience and you don't have to worry about an audience of, of, of millions or even tens of thousands of players for, 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 for that particular game. In LARPs, you, you have to worry about the people who are in the room. Uh, so, so it's, more, it's closer to, to, uh, to a dinner party or, or, or maybe a, a, a speech given at an event or, or a stand-up comedy where sort of sort of there is a there is a feeling in a room and and you have to you have to sort of uh, uh, your 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 humor has to be in tune with that group of people so now, so I, yeah i've been to my share of dinner parties and some it's a it's a great roaring laughter of time and other times um it can be a little bit uh tense um and i'm curious kind of if there's sometimes where those jokes fall flat or those jokes kind of are hitting different nerves especially perhaps uh, in a political game like some of the ones you mentioned where players might have different opinions on how things should be happening 
Yes, I mean, obviously there is negotiation going on, and and uh, and uh, one thing that happens is that is that before a LARP, uh, when people are signing up to the LARP, the designers usually try to communicate as clearly as possibly what is this LARP about, what are the themes that is that it is addressing, and possibly also give some reference points uh, to other works, other LARPs, films, books. Uh, that that they are drawing from, and that will maybe help people also to situate uh, themselves as, or, or, or sort of uh, uh, work with their expectations. So they're they're showing up with the right expectations and and the right frame of mind as to what they think is going to be going on in that setting. But but of course, I mean sometimes there are also jokes that just don't land, jokes that aren't aren't funny, or or jokes that that people don't like. Uh, humor obviously also fails at times. And I, I think that's important, uh, especially when you're playing such a social space of games where everyone's kind of own understanding of humor is going to be so subjective in those places. And one of the other things that you've kind of taken from LARP in your own work, and, and you mentioned briefly at the very start, is kind of these alternative forms of play or these kind of more transgressive acts of play. And I was wondering if first, could you kind of explain that for any listeners who might not know what they are, but um, perhaps talk about maybe the nature of humor in these kind of alternative play acts? So, so in, in my work, I'm, I've looked at play and playfulness uh, in a fairly promiscuous manner, identifying play and playfulness in, in many, many other, many, many places. And, and uh, one of the starting points uh, in my work is, is, to, is to look at play as something that is not a moral category, but it is, but it is, it, it's, it is something that is, it can be good and bad. Uh, often play is discussed as a positive force, that play is sort of the work of children and sports builds character and, and through play we can, we can sort of uh, develop ourselves and, and, and there, are, so there are many positive aspects to play and, and I think all of those things are true, but at the same time it is possible to also play in ways that are, that is harmful, that is illegal, that is disgusting, uh, that is that is not at all nice or or constructive in any way, uh, and and if we don't recognize these activities as play, then uh, it is difficult to make sense of those activities, and also we have a have a very partial understanding of play. Some examples of this is this is for example is is teasing and bullying. Uh, if we look at how children play, older siblings do terrible things to their younger siblings that they tease, and it is play for the older siblings. It is not play for the younger siblings, but but play is not always asymmetrical. Sometimes it's asymmetrical that somebody is playing with another person, and this is something, of course, that we find in in the in the animal kingdom much more wider because play is, of course, something that is not just for humans. Uh, play is something that. If, if, if I exaggerate a little bit, if it has a spine, it plays. I mean, all mammals play, but it's not just mammals. It's, it's even a larger group of, group of animals. And of course, uh, carnivores, for example, play with their prey. And that's, that's completely normal. And then if we look at things like torture, uh, it's sometimes we can understand that as play. If we think about the pictures from, from uh, for example, the, the uh, Abu Ghraib during the Iraq war, with, with the US soldiers uh, sort of smiling towards the camera while dehumanizing other people in, in the photos. I mean, those are, those are very hard to look at those pictures, but it does look like they are playing. And, uh, and, and if we think about sort of children pulling the, the, the uh, uh, wings of a fly and these kinds of things, that sort of play can also be disgusting and immoral and, and, and terrible. Uh, some examples that that other scholars of play have used, used like 
drunk driving on a dare. I mean, that that's play. Uh, having unsafe sex for kicks. I mean, that's also play. I mean, sort of so so play can also put us in 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 harm's way. I think that's really an important point of conversation that a lot of people, when they talk about play, don't think about or or don't want to think about. And I, I, I mean, Mark and I have talked a lot about how like online toxicity kind of falls into this world of play. And um, when we're talking about humor in these dynamics, especially when you're talking about this like one-sided kind of transgressive act, um, would you see humor as kind of helping facilitate some of these more dark or, or transgressive acts of play, or, or does it kind of sit on the sidelines? It, dep- it depends on how, how we see humor. It's just sort of one one um, definition of humor that I, I quite like is is John Allen Paulus's a perceived incongruity with a point in an appropriate emotional climate. But this, the part of the, this definition that I find so very important is the appropriate emotional climate. Uh, so something is humor when when it is perceived uh, uh, sort of socially in a situation as humorous, when when others also recognize it as humorous. There's also definitions of jokes that take into consideration the context. That something, a thing that we say is in one context that is a joke, and in another context it is not a joke because because um, the, the the context context is wrong. So these kind of sort of formal approaches where where we're thinking of of, of an act or a speech act or, or 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 a script as something that that is the joke or that is humor. I don't think that's a that's not a great way of 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 sort of maybe understanding it. I think we have to always consider the context. But at the same time, uh, sort of while I think context is super important, at the same time, I think it's also, we have to recognize that sometimes humor and jokes are also meant to be terrible. They are, they, they are meant to break people down and, 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 and act as a, work as, 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 as aggression and, and, to, and to sort of draw lines between people. Whereas other times, of course, humor is also sort of, sort of building bridges between people and building understanding, understanding empathy, sympathy, all of these, these pro-social things are also possible. So it's, it's not either or, I think it's both. Well, I think that's something we've tried to tease out in a lot of our discussions is that humor can never kind of be put into a, a box. But um, when we're talking about these more dark, these, these uh, I, I'm going to keep using the word transgressive because I like it so much, these spaces, does humor in these contexts kind of help reinforce these overall moral cultural structures that are in negative play? Or does it not really reside there at all in that sense? Like, does it act as a tool for kind of reinforcing structures? Humor has a connection to transgression, uh, but we, 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 need, we need to have norms in order to have transgression. So there needs to be, there needs to be something that is, is considered as a norm. Uh, and humor is a way to, to push the boundaries and to, to, uh, to step a little bit outside of the boundaries because it is playful and it is so clearly signaled as, as not real. So it is one way to, to, uh, uh, to uh, sort of create these, uh, these sort of perceived incongruities, saying something vulgar when you're really supposed to be uh, on your best behavior. So, so that that would be a transgression, uh, but it can be really funny because it is, is, is transgressing. So, so it is part of negotiation of, of, of sort of what is, what is a norm and what is not. Then if we think about how humor is used in, on the internet, I think one thing that 4chan and, and, and other sort of image boards and that kind of culture has given us is this, is this, this 
sort of Schrodinger's humor, where somebody says something that is a joke, unless people take it seriously and agree with it, in which case it is not a joke, but it is a, it is a, it is a statement. And it's this kind of deniability that often goes uh, hand in hand with, with sort of online humor, where you're saying something outrageous and you either mean it or, or, or then it's a joke, depending on how people are, are taking it. And that's that I think it's one way of, uh, of uh, pushing the goal posts online. And, it, it, and, and, that, and, and, uh, and if you object to that kind of, kind of thing, it is, it's, it's, it's difficult to do socially because, because then there is the uh, uh, people, people hide behind the fact that this was said, that, 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 or hide behind the idea that this was said humorously. I, I think that you really put this into a light of uh, we can think of humor not always as this kind of playful and fun thing, but it can kind of do that as well. And I'm also kind of recognizing for the sake of time that uh, there's there's so much more to kind of unpack here when we're talking about humor in this in these darker spaces. Um, but I, I always like to kind of end towards a, a lighter note. And so perhaps you could kind of speak to uh, some positive moments in your work where you have seen humor, whether it's when you've been looking at these transgressive spaces or it's when, when you've looking at these LARPs, um, where's kind of a, a more positive space where you've seen humor kind of push those boundaries. Um, One thing that comes to mind is, is, uh, um, is, is how shared uh, toys that we play with in, 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 in private, in secret, uh, can still create moments that are shared between people. Uh, we were we were doing a, an exhibition on personal play experiences a few years ago for the Finnish Museum of Games, and and uh, uh, with the group of students that we were creating the exhibition with, one of them mentioned that that sort of they played with with their Barbie dolls and their brothers' uh, human figurines together because sort of uh, uh, there were no uh, they didn't have any any male Barbies and and the human figurines didn't have any any female figures, so they wanted to stage a wedding between. Uh, we, they wanted to stage a wedding, so in the wedding, He-Man was marrying Barbie, and uh, and uh, uh, which is sort of uh, I mean this was already playing a little bit uh, against the norms because because the. The um, student who mentioned this sort of was, was borrowing his uh, her brother's toys without permission. And then when 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 uh, um, uh, Barbie and Heman um, got married, what happened was that Heman, who is a smaller figure, has to jump a little bit to give a kiss to Barbie. And then then there was another student in the in the class who who said that uh, that, that 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 I did that exact same thing. That that this 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 experience of, of playing with these toys uh, in a humorous way that was fun for the for the for the child was was something that another uh, student had also done with with their toys without any knowledge, and then six months later, I think in the second season of of uh, Stranger Things, this same thing was shown uh, in the series. So so it was something that was shared, but I had I had never seen anybody discuss it anywhere sort of how how to sort of to break these scripts that we're supposed to do with these toys and and play with them in a, in a fun way that is also something that that feels that it is creative and yet it can be also something that is connecting us to other people if we talk about it but of course we don't always talk about these kinds of play experiences because uh, 
uh, it's it's not always sort of commercially relevant. So so these kinds of uh, personal mo moments are not always that discussed. I think that's a really beautiful sentiment. Um, the idea that we we have this personal connection on how we play that can kind of create a joke among us without us even being aware until it's out in the open is is really a beautiful piece. Um, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to close on? Uh, any anything that you wanted to kind of speak to um, that we didn't have a chance to talk about when it comes to humor and games? Maybe the, the, the one thing I didn't mention uh, relating to LARPing is that, of course, there's also situational humor, humor that is that is not intended, that just sort of rises from from uh, from people playing together. Uh, and I think this is something that is recognizable, not just in LARP, but in many kinds of situations where we are playing together. Uh, and often, uh, for example, in tabletop role playing games, uh, situational humor arises from moments where the, where the frames between the game and the playing and the, the world around it are clashing somehow. So those are of the moments of, of laughter. Whereas in, in LARP, uh, sort of the kind of situational humor that we have in everyday life, of course, uh, does come up as well. And sometimes since it is in this uh, frame of, of performative play, uh, it becomes more meaningful, heavier in a way. It means more for some reason when this, this sort of uh, situational humor arises in LARP. That was our conversation with Dr. Yako Stenros. Thanks for listening and see you next time on the Humor and Games podcast.